from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Test to stay is is one where an exposure would occur, and then with parental consent and with um, all of the other, uh, again, components in place, a child could be tested multiple times throughout that quarantine, and as long as they're asymptomatic and testing negative, um, they can still continue to come to school and to participate in extracurricular activities. Parents should sure be reaching out to their districts and asking them if if that is an option. I'm Sarah Funsky. In many school districts across Missouri, kids who are exposed to COVID are required to quarantine. In some districts, they're told to stay home for 14 days after an exposure, even if they never show symptoms. And that's even if they test negative after that initial contact. Parents in St. Charles County have filed a lawsuit over policies in their district. They're also seeking to block in-school mask mandates. But even some parents who are just fine with masks question current quarantine policies. Rapid testing is now widely available. Why can't kids return to class if they test negative? And will that change now that even younger school kids are eligible for vaccines? One parent we heard from is Lalisa. Her six-year-old daughter attends a private school in St. Louis. The kids wear masks all day, even outside. But when another first grader tested positive for COVID, the school sent the entire first grade home, both classes. They chose to quarantine not only her entire first grade classroom, but the other first grade classroom as well, which took out maybe 50 young children Um, two weeks from school, also during Halloween, which, of course, it's more important to be safe and to make sure all the children, you know, aren't infecting other children, which we understand. But it was a very hard ask to make um, the family of 50-plus children to be able to accommodate virtual learning, which essentially is like a full-time job. So we all had to find a way to make that happen and have these six-year-olds understand, well, you're not going to get to do your Halloween party. Um, The school's recommending you not trick-or-treat. Lalisa's child tested negative for COVID. And nearly two full weeks later, right as students were finally getting ready to return to school, she had an outdoor play date. Well, two girls at that play date later tested positive for COVID. Lalisa told the school and was told to quarantine her daughter for another 14 days. She will only be at school in the month of um, November for one day because she cannot return till November 23rd, which in my mind is pretty extreme. Now, Lalisa said her family is very COVID safe. They're vaccinated, they wear masks, and they follow the rules. But learning virtually has been a real hardship for the family. Um, our daughter struggles with virtual learning. It's hard for her to um, just understand the difference between that and in-person learning. It, she has a lot of anxiety. She um, And both my husband and I work full-time, and accommodating that is, is not easy. Um, We've had to make a lot of changes in our professional and personal lives to accommodate for this and also have her understand why she cannot go back to school, even though she's still feeling well, even though she's braving COVID tests, she's continuing to test negative. 
And that is a St. Louis parent whose daughter is looking at basically all of November in quarantine, despite repeatedly testing negative for COVID. So joining us now to talk about school quarantine policies and more is Margie Van Dieven. She is the commissioner of the Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Commissioner Van Dieven, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So let's take a a step back to the big picture here. In some ways, this school year feels like it's off to a pretty good start. Are you feeling good overall about how Missouri schools are dealing with in-person learning this year? Yes, overall, very satisfied. Uh, School doors are open. uh, Students are learning. Teachers are back in our classrooms and and very happy to see the progress that's being made. So there were a lot of dire predictions, I would say, from armchair type people. But early early in the year, people were worried that with students coming back in person in districts across the state, that we'd see a huge spike in cases. We haven't seen that. Do you think overall measures have been effective in presenting and preventing the spread of virus in Missouri schools? Yes, I, and you know, and that's really hats off to our, our local leaders, um, our local school boards, our local health officials, and our parents working closely together to do everything they can uh, to implement mitigation strategies to make sure that our, our kids are able to return uh, to school safely. So one of the things that parents are now talking about a lot has to do with some of these ongoing quarantine policies. And we heard from a a St. Louis parent there. Their kid is in private school. But, you know, some schools are requiring kids stay out of school for up to 14 days if anyone in the class tests positive for COVID. Do you have any concerns about those policies at this point in the pandemic? Yeah, and this is a pretty complex answer, so if you'll if you'll bear with me on this one, you know, I, I think, again, we have to remember that Missouri is a local control state. I definitely need to go out and thank, our, again, our school leaders, our local school boards, our local health officials, our parents for doing everything they can to make the best decisions possible without a playbook. As you've indicated, you know, we're about 18 months in now. It's time to start developing that playbook, and I think in, in, in everything that we look back upon, we know we need to do everything we can to make sure that our kids can remain in school, face-to-face learning opportunities safely. Uh, the, our, our department, in conjunction with the uh, Department of Health and, and uh, Senior Services, has produced guidance for schools that certainly supports that notion. Uh, the state's received $2.9 billion in federal uh, funds specifically designed to promote keeping those school doors open, and yet we are still in a pandemic. And so um, we're working through all of these issues the best that we can. If you look at our guidance, we do have four options, that, and, and we continue to look at more options. We have the Missouri Modified um, Quarantine Guidance that I, I'd be happy to talk about. We have social distancing in place. We now have vaccinations that are available and a test to stay option. I'm sure we'll hit on each of those as we go through this. Um, But do know, even with all of those options in our guidance, um, it really comes down to those local school officials and health officials and parents working together to make it happen. So you're presenting, okay, here's what we consider acceptable, and there's a range of options within that. And quarantines, those are definitely within one of those ranges. Correct. Correct. Yes. uh, The Missouri Modified Quarantine Guidance does allow for, I think what we just heard that parent say, um, having masking in place beforehand. And and if those kids are, uh, all parties are appropriately masked, it would allow for uh, a quarantine not to occur. But again, that is up to those local officials to, to decide together if they're going to follow that. So one of the other options that Missouri has said this is acceptable if a district wants to go there, this is called test to stay. And this is one that I feel like 
like is, is kind of new for a lot of people because we've all been doing the 14 days all pandemic right. long. Tell us how Test to Stay works. Yeah, and, and you know, we're, we're real happy to have this option out there as well. Test to Stay is is one where an exposure would occur. And then, the, again, with parental consent, that's where this, this partnership is just key, with parental consent and with um, all of the other, uh, again, components in place. A child could be tested multiple times throughout that quarantine. And as long as they're asymptomatic and testing negative, um, they can still continue to come to school and to participate in extracurricular activities. So this wouldn't even be that you're sent home for six days to wait until you can get tested or five days. That's this would correct. be something you're staying in there the whole time. That seems pretty aggressive. Are some districts doing that? There are some d- districts that are doing that. Not quite as many as we'd like to see yet um, because, again, there are uh, components that they need to put into place. For example, who's going to conduct that testing? Sometimes they need, in some cases, they need to provide the, the specific reports on positive and negative results and, again, the parental consent component. But we are excited about this option. We think it could be a game changer um, for many in our state. And so for the districts that are doing that, how is that going? So far, uh, reports are strong. And it's not just Missouri. I think we we also have a, a couple of our neighboring states who are using these kinds of approaches. Uh, I was just with some of my counterparts across the nation who have spoke highly about this option, and, and we're happy to see that it's in place. And if people are doing this test to stay, then this is not something where you're counting on the parents going out every day, getting their kids tested. The testing is actually being done in school? Yes, uh, a home test is not allowed for this. This needs to be a test that is done and reported um, either at the school or by a local health official. Okay. So this is obviously asking a bit more of the district, but you mentioned there's some federal funding available for this sort of thing. Do those funds apply if districts are trying to set something like this up? Absolutely. That's exactly what these funds are intended to do, is to provide options for schools, uh, again, with this primary focus of keeping our school doors open, giving children the option to come to school. I mean, no one likes quarantine. And let me just say, there it's there. We have to do it if these other mitigation strategies are not in place. And no one likes it. It's disruptive to the students. It's disruptive to the families. It's disruptive to our schools and our school teachers. I mean, so so we need to do whatever we can. And yet, um, I do understand we are still in a pandemic. And in some cases, um, that is still occurring. So you said test to stay is working in, in some of the places that are pioneering this in Missouri. Are you aware of any schools in the St. Louis area or any districts in the St. Louis area where they're doing not, test to stay. I'm not sure that I'm to talk about specific districts are doing that, but parents should sure be reaching out to their districts and asking them if they are, if that is an option for them. Do you feel like now that we're going to see more kids, uh, not more kids, we're going to see younger kids being able to get vaccinated, does that make that a more attractive option for districts? I would hope so. I, I think our adults certainly found that to be helpful to them. Um, as, as you know, if, if you're fully vaccinated, and again, it's fully vaccinated, so that two-week period uh, needs to, to pass um, then you are excluded um, from the quarantine as long as you remain asymptomatic. So I, I think, you know, that will carry over with our students as well. And it, it sure is another option, another layer of protection for our kids, but also another option to eliminate quarantine. We're curious to hear from parents. Has your child um, had to do a two-week quarantine? How did that go? Do you feel like the policies in your kid's school are working, keeping them safe from COVID? Why or why not? You can give us a call at 
3825. That's 382 Talk. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. And we are talking today to Margie Van Dieven. She's the commissioner of the Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, grappling with a lot of complicated issues right now as we're in a very odd stage of the pandemic. I guess every stage of this pandemic has been kind of odd, Margie. Is that fair to <laughs> yes, say? It, I think that's very fair to say. <laughs> we do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with the commissioner. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. Back to our conversation. Our guest today is Margie Van Dieven. She's the commissioner of the Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Margie, I was just thinking back when you were last a guest on this show. This was all the way last school year. Um, you explained why standardized testing had to go on last spring, even when some schools had been all virtual. This was something that was important to you because you wanted to understand the impact of virtual learning. What did you find out about that when you got those test scores back? Yes, thank you for bringing that up. I, you know, it, it didn't overly surprise us, but I do think it validated some of our, our earlier concerns, and that is that we did see more significant decline in those um, places where students were not able to intend, uh, attend school in person, and um, specifically what we're looking at now is those areas that had trouble with uh, the digital divide that exists in our state. So not only if there was... Um, in-person learning or virtual or remote learning taking place, but did they have the resources available to successfully do that? So we did see a, a steeper decline in um, our schools um, where, where students were not able to participate in in-person learning. And I know that's such a focus this year for educators. Do you have a sense of whether the tests that are done this spring, whether those are going to continue to be for informational purposes only, or whether this is going to go back to counting as, as far as things like accreditation? Yeah, I think we need to, to look at that very carefully, still have that discussion with our board so we haven't made a, a firm decision on that. But, you know, at some point in time, we need to, to really plan to just continue to move forward. And our schools, again, are, are back in session. Kids are learning. And it will be up to us to make sure that that's happening. So, you know, I'm not certainly not ready to waive those for accountability purposes yet. Um, but we also are very aware that this is uh, still an unusual year, and we need to take that to account as well. Um, but, I, I, you know, I guess the, the one thing I definitely want to express here, though, is that our, our teachers and our schools I mean, they're committed. Our, our kids uh, can't afford another year uh, to be put behind, and they're working very hard to accelerate that learning um, from the prior year. So we've been talking about how schools deal with when there is exposure to a positive COVID case. We did hear from some parents with some thoughts on this. Uh, David writes on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, last year my son's whole class had to quarantine because a teacher's aide tested positive, but that was before vaccines. I think maybe a full two weeks is unnecessary if multiple negative COVID tests are done days apart and there are no symptoms. Our school officials do contact tracing and they say most kids get COVID from an immediate family member and not from another 
student at school. Um, Commissioner Van Dieven, it's interesting. The CDC seems to say the same thing as what David is saying here, that schools have not been the source of outbreaks in the way that, that homes can be. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think we've certainly seen that in any of the studies that we've looked at, that there's very limited uh, within school transmission. It's typically in a in a much more localized area. Uh, and so happy to see that. But I do believe that a, a, a large portion of that is due to the mitigation strategies that our schools have so diligently put into place. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of our other listeners on, on again, the St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, Brad, flagged a ProPublica investigation. They looked at a district in Georgia where they got rid of masks and they loosened quarantine policies at the same time. And kids got very sick. I mean, a number of kids, quite an outbreak here. In the St. Louis area, I think people really are taking COVID seriously. And, you know, there's still masking policies at just about every school that I'm aware of. Do we have some districts elsewhere in the state where it's almost the flip side of this, where maybe they could stand to use a a little more caution on these issues? Uh, We do. We certainly, again, as a local control state, we've seen all sorts of uh, practices that are occurring. Um, But I also think we need to keep in mind um, that our districts and our schools look vastly different. And so while we might have very large districts in the St. Louis County area, we might have we might be talking about a school district who's taking a vastly different approach and they may have 50 students in the entire district. I know that sounds funny to some of our listeners today who might hear that, but it's a a very um, a a very different scenario across our state. And so, again, uh, positivity rates look different across the state. Conditions look different across the states. The ability to social distance within classrooms looks different across the state. And that's why we really believe the local control uh, component has been so, uh, so helpful with us throughout this process. We also heard from Megan um, on Facebook. She writes, I'm lucky my kid's school has taken very, very strict measures since day one. It has showed with our low cases. However, once my second grader is fully vaxxed, I will be very confused and probably a little pissed if I have to keep him home for two weeks for an exposure. A few days quarantine and then test to return to school seems like a fair middle ground. A lot of parents sort of grappling with these issues right now. Um, You also have lawsuits like this one that I mentioned that's going on in St. Charles County. And Commissioner Van Dieven, I I think that lawsuit had something kind of interesting in it in that the parents are actually suing the health department because that's where these policies come from there. It's a reminder that in some cases it's not even administrators. You guys are in a, a alphabet soup with a lot of different agencies you're coordinating with. Right. No doubt about it. There are a lot of players um, involved in these decisions. And um, for the most part, uh, uh, people have been able to to reach resolution together uh, through quite a bit of open, honest civil discussion. You know, but sometimes it has escalated and, and we've seen that as well. So one of the other things I wanted to ask you about today, uh, the federal government is paying for a free testing screening program. This is something that Missouri has has uh, pushed and made available to schools. There's Ginkgo Bioworks is running this, and we had them on the show to talk about what they can offer. This is basically testing kids in a school district um, once a week, um, whether they need it or not, and just trying to weed out those cases before they can spread. And from the latest statistics I was able to get from the state agency that supervises that program, there's still only 18 school districts that are on board for this, according to their numbers. Why do you think that hasn't been more widely adopted across the state? I mean, this is totally free. Yeah, you know, and I think it goes back to, again, how much do our uh, schools and local health officials think they can take on? And so while that might be a really effective tool in some districts, maybe some have 
decided to go an alternate pathway and to do something else. Um, again, something like that does involve uh, getting parental consent, doing some things, and 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 each district has somewhat taken a different approach. It, it seems to make good sense, and, and we're certainly um, supportive of that, but you need to get the coordination at the local level in order to get the buy-in. Hmm. Do you think the state could or should be doing more to push this or to just make districts aware, hey, you know, we've got this contractor. They'll set up a lot of this stuff. It's maybe not as hard as it sounds. You know, I think we we have done um, just about everything we can do, I think, in, in talking about the various options that are available. If we are a local, and we have, you know, consistently held all sorts of meetings and distributed guidance and tried to come up with multiple options, I mean, it is, it's actually ironic, or interestingly, not ironic, interestingly enough, um, it is a year to this date that the Missouri Modified Quarantine Guidance was issued. So we've been working hard to, to put options out there. But again, if you're a, a local control state, then the 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 concern becomes we need to trust our local uh, community members to make the very, very best decisions. And so far, I really have to tell you, I, I couldn't be happier with the vast majority of those leaders out there making good decisions. Hmm. Well, we won't ask you to name names for the small minority. <laughs> There is one other thing I want to ask you about just in our final couple minutes here. And there have been a lot of headlines here in the St. Louis area about this online security flaw that put the social security numbers of up to 100,000 educators in the state at risk of exposure. And this is something where, where people were sort of curious about your response to this, because you um, you wrote to school district leaders letting them know about this, and you called it a security, quote, threat by an individual who, quote, took the records of at least three educators, unencrypted the source code from the web page and viewed the social security numbers. And you also included a link to a press release from the state office administration that described the post-dispatch journalist as a hacker. Do you feel like that guy was a hacker? You know, what I what I would say is we, we issued a, a press release on Wednesday um, that goes through all of the issues that we're doing for um, our teachers out there. Uh, let me just tell you, it, it's the educators who are contained in our database. Um, as we've just gone through, our educators have had a heck of the last 18 months, and they don't need one more thing. So I certainly want to extend my apologies to them. Whether or not this is seen as a hacking incident is really still under investigation, and I cannot speak to that. Um, but I will tell you that the, the state is uh, covering out of, out of an abundance of caution. I need to say that as well. Mm -hmm. um, any. Uh, security protection for our educators for the next year. At this point, are you aware of anybody who has been compromised by this as, as far as people who were on that site? I really can't share any more than what was released in that press release, and that is that we were, we were told that at least three uh, social security numbers had been viewed. Okay. Well, that's a tough issue. And as you say, this has been um, a tough time for teachers. I mean, it just seems like they have gone through a lot this yes. these last two years. Yes, um, they have. Yeah. We're very proud of them, and they really they have. We're, we're really grateful to them for everything they've done. Well, Margie Van Dieven, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And I appreciate having uh, the opportunity to be with you today. Uh, thank you for covering these stories. This episode was produced by Jane Mather Glass, with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr and production assistance by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. 
St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.